0: chapter four of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglass this librivox recording is in the public domain a general survey of the slave plantation isolation of lloyd's plantation public opinion there no protection to the slave absolute power of the overseer natural and artificial charms of the place its business-like appearance superstition about the burial ground great ideas of colonel lloyd etiquette among slaves the comic slave doctor praying and flogging old master losing its terrors his business character of aunt katy sufferings from hunger old master's home jargon of the plantation guinea slaves master daniel family of colonel lloyd family of captain anthony his social position notions of rank and station it is generally supposed that slavery in the state of maryland exists in its mildest form and that it is totally divested of those harsh and terrible peculiarities which mark and characterize the slave system in the southern and southwestern states of the american union the argument in favor of this opinion is the contiguity of the free states and the exposed condition of slavery in maryland to the moral religious and humane sentiment of the free states i am not about to refute this argument so far as it relates to slavery in that state generally on the contrary i am willing to admit that to this general point the argument is well grounded public opinion is indeed an unfailing restraint upon the cruelty and barbarity of masters overseers and slave-drivers whenever and wherever it can reach them but there are certain secluded and out-of-the-way places even in the state of maryland seldom visited by a single ray of healthy public sentiment where slavery wrapped in its own congenial midnight darkness can and does develop all its malign and shocking characteristics where it can be indecent without shame cruel without shuddering and murderous without apprehension or fear of exposure just such a secluded dark and out-of-the-way place is the home plantation of colonel edward lloyd on the eastern shore maryland it is far away from all the great thoroughfares and is proximate to no town or village there is neither schoolhouse nor townhouse in its neighborhood the schoolhouse is unnecessary for there are no children to go to school the children and grandchildren of colonel lloyd were taught in the house by a private tutor a mr page a tall gaunt sapling of a man who did not speak a dozen words to a slave in a whole year the overseers children go off somewhere to school and they therefore bring no foreign or dangerous influence from abroad to embarrass the natural operation of the slave system of the place not even the mechanics through whom there is an occasional outburst of honest and telling indignation at cruelty and wrong on other plantations are white men on this plantation its whole public is made up of and divided into three classes slaveholders slaves and overseers its blacksmiths wheelwrights shoemakers weavers and coopers are slaves not even commerce selfish and iron-hearted as it is and ready as it ever is to side with the strong against the weak the rich against the poor is trusted or permitted within its secluded precincts whether with a view of guarding against the escape of its secrets i know not but it is a fact that every leaf and grain of the produce of this plantation and those of the neighboring farms belonging to colonel lloyd are transported to baltimore in colonel lloyd's own vessels every man and boy on board of which except the captain are owned by him in return everything brought to the plantation comes through the same channel thus even the glimmering and unsteady light of trade which sometimes exerts a civilizing influence is excluded from this tabooed spot nearly all the plantations or farms in the vicinity of the home plantation of colonel lloyd belong to him and those which do not are owned by personal friends of his as deeply interested in maintaining the slave system in all its rigor as colonel lloyd himself some of his neighbors are said to be even more stringent than he the skinners the Peakers, the tilgmans the lockermans and the gypsons are in the same boat being slaveholding neighbors they may have strengthened each other in their iron rule they are on intimate terms and their interests and tastes are identical public opinion in such a quarter the reader will see is not likely to be very efficient in protecting the slave from cruelty on the contrary it must increase and intensify his wrongs public opinion seldom differs very widely from public practice to be a restraint upon cruelty and vice public opinion must emanate from a humane and virtuous community to no such humane and virtuous community is colonel lloyd's plantation exposed that plantation is a little nation of its own having its own language its own rules regulations and customs the laws and institutions of the state apparently touch it nowhere the troubles arising here are not settled by the civil power of the state the overseer is generally accuser judge jury advocate and executioner the criminal is always dumb the overseer attends to all sides of a case there are no conflicting rights of property for all the people are owned by one man and they can themselves own no property religion and politics are alike excluded one class of the population is too high to be reached by the preacher and the other class is too low to be cared for by the preacher the poor have the gospel preached to them in this neighborhood only when they are able to pay for it the slaves having no money get no gospel the politician keeps away because the people have no votes and the preacher keeps away because the people have no money the rich planter can afford to learn politics in the parlor and to dispense with religion altogether in its isolation seclusion and self-reliant independence colonel lloyd's plantation resembles what the baronial domains were during the middle ages in europe grim cold and unapproachable by all genial influences from communities without there it stands full three hundred years behind the age in all that relates to humanity and morals this however is not the only view that the place presents civilization is shut out but nature cannot be though separated from the rest of the world though public opinion as i have said seldom gets a chance to penetrate its dark domain though the whole place is stamped with its own peculiar iron-like individuality and though crimes high-handed and atrocious may there be committed with almost as much impunity as upon the deck of a pirate ship it is nevertheless altogether too outward seeming a most strikingly interesting place full of life activity and spirit and presents a very favorable contrast to the indolent monotony and languor of tuckahoe keen as was my regret and great as was my sorrow at leaving the latter i was not long in adapting myself to this my new home a man's troubles are always half disposed of when he finds endurance his only remedy i found myself here there was no getting away and what remained for me but to make the best of it here were plenty of children to play with and plenty of places of pleasant resort for boys of my age and boys older the little tendrils of affection so rudely and treacherously broken from around the darling objects of my grandmother's hut gradually began to extend and to entwine about the new objects by which i now found myself surrounded there was a windmill always a commanding object to a child's eye on long point a tract of land dividing miles river from the wye a mile or more from my old master's house there was a creek to swim in at the bottom of an open flat space of twenty acres or more called the long green a very beautiful playground for the children in the river a short distance from the shore lying quietly at anchor with her small boat dancing at her stern was a large sloop the sally lloyd called by that name in honor of a favorite daughter of the colonel the sloop and the mill were wondrous things full of thoughts and ideas a child cannot well look at such objects without thinking then here were a great many houses human habitations full of the mysteries of life at every stage of it there was the little red house up the road occupied by mr Sevier, the overseer a little nearer to my old master's stood a very long rough low building literally alive with slaves of all ages conditions and sizes this was called the long quarter perched upon a hill across the long green was a very tall dilapidated old brick building the architectural dimensions of which proclaimed its erection for a different purpose now occupied by slaves in a similar manner to the long quarter besides these there were numerous other slave houses and huts scattered around in the neighborhood every nook and corner of which was completely occupied old master's house a long brick building plain but substantial stood in the centre of the plantation life and constituted one independent establishment on the premises of colonel lloyd besides these dwellings there were barns stables storehouses and tobacco houses blacksmith's shops wheelwright's shops cooper's shops all objects of interest but above all there stood the grandest building my eyes had then ever beheld called by every one on the plantation the great house this was occupied by colonel lloyd and his family they occupied it i enjoyed it the great house was surrounded by numerous and variously shaped outbuildings there were kitchens wash-houses dairies summer-house greenhouses hen-houses turkey-houses pigeon-houses and arbors of many sizes and devices all neatly painted and altogether interspersed with grand old trees ornamental and primitive which afforded delightful shade in summer and imparted to the scene a high degree of stately beauty the great house itself was a large white wooden building with wings on three sides of it in front a large portico extending the entire length of the building and supported by a long range of columns gave to the whole establishment an air of solemn grandeur it was a treat to my young and gradually opening mind to behold this elaborate exhibition of wealth power and vanity the carriage entrance to the house was a large gate more than a quarter of a mile distant from it the intermediate space was a beautiful lawn very neatly trimmed and watched with the greatest care it was dotted thickly over with delightful trees shrubbery and flowers the road or lane from the gate to the great house was richly paved with white pebbles from the beach and in its course formed a complete circle around the beautiful lawn carriages going in and retiring from the great house made the circuit of the lawn and their passengers were permitted to behold a scene of almost eden-like beauty outside this select enclosure were parks where as about the residences of the english nobility rabbits deer and other wild game might be seen peering and playing about with none to molest them or make them afraid the tops of the stately poplars were often covered with the red-winged blackbirds making all nature vocal with the joyous life and beauty of their wild warbling notes these all belonged to me as well as to colonel edward lloyd and for a time i greatly enjoyed them a short distance from the great house were the stately mansions of the dead a place of sombre aspect vast tombs embowered beneath the weeping willow and the fir-tree told of the antiquities of the lloyd family as well as of their wealth superstition was rife among the slaves about this family burying ground strange sights had been seen there by some of the older slaves shrouded ghosts riding on great black horses had been seen to enter balls of fire had been seen to fly there at midnight and horrid sounds had been repeatedly heard slaves know enough of the rudiments of theology to believe that those go to hell who die slaveholders and they often fancy such persons wishing themselves back again to wield the lash tales of sights and sounds strange and terrible connected with the huge black tombs were a very great security to the grounds about them for few of the slaves felt like approaching them even in the daytime it was a dark gloomy and forbidding place and it was difficult to feel that the spirits of the sleeping dust there deposited reigned with the blessed in the realms of eternal peace the business of twenty or thirty farms was transacted at this called by way of eminence great house farm these farms all belonged to colonel lloyd as did also the slaves upon them each farm was under the management of an overseer as i have said of the overseer of the home plantation so i may say of the overseers on the smaller ones they stand between the slave and all civil constitutions their word is law and is implicitly obeyed the colonel at this time was reputed to be and he apparently was very rich his slaves alone were an immense fortune these small and great could not have been fewer than one thousand in number and though scarcely a month passed without the sale of one or more lots to the georgia traders there was no apparent diminution in the number of his human stock the home plantation merely groaned at a removal of the young increase or human crop then proceeded as lively as ever horseshoeing cart mending plow repairing coopering grinding and weaving for all the neighboring farms were performed here and slaves were employed in all these branches uncle tony was the blacksmith uncle harry was the cartwright uncle abel was the shoemaker and all these had hands to assist them in their several departments these mechanics were called uncles by all the younger slaves not because they really sustained that relationship to any but according to plantation etiquette as a mark of respect due from the younger to the older slaves strange and even ridiculous as it may seem among a people so uncultivated and with so many stern trials to look in the face there is not to be found among any people a more rigid enforcement of the law of respect to elders than they maintain i set this down as partly constitutional with my race and partly conventional there is no better material in the world for making a gentleman than is furnished in the african he shows to others and exacts for himself all the tokens of respect which he is compelled to manifest toward his master A young slave must approach the company of the older with hat in hand and woe betide him if he fails to acknowledge a favor of any sort with the accustomed tanky etc so uniformly are good manners enforced among slaves that i can easily detect a bogus fugitive by his manners among other slave notabilities of the plantation was one called by everybody uncle isaac copper it is seldom that a slave gets a surname from anybody in maryland and so completely has the south shaped the manners of the north in this respect that even abolitionists make very little of the surname of a negro the only improvement on the bills jacks jims and neds of the south observable here is that william john james edward are substituted it goes against the grain to treat and address a negro precisely as they would treat and address a white man but once in a while in slavery as in the free states by some extraordinary circumstance the negro has a surname fastened to him and holds it against all conventionalities this was the case with uncle isaac copper when the uncle was dropped he generally had the prefix doctor in its stead he was our doctor of medicine and doctor of divinity as well where he took his degree i am unable to say for he was not very communicative to inferiors and i was emphatically such being but a boy seven or eight years old he was too well established in his profession to permit questions as to his native skill or his attainments one qualification he undoubtedly had he was a confirmed cripple and he could neither work nor would he bring anything if offered for sale in the market the old man though lame was no sluggard he was a man that made his crutches do him good service he was always on the alert looking up the sick and all such as were supposed to need his counsel his remedial prescriptions embraced four articles for diseases of the body epsom salts and castor oil for those of the soul the lord's prayer and hickory switches i was not long at colonel lloyd's before i was placed under the care of dr isaac copper i was sent to him with twenty or thirty other children to learn the lord's prayer I found the old gentleman seated on a huge three-legged oaken stool armed with several large hickory switches and from his position he could reach lame as he was any boy in the room after standing a while to learn what was expected of us the old gentleman in any other than a devotional tone commanded us to kneel down this done he commenced telling us to say everything he said our father this we repeated after him with promptness and uniformity who art in heaven was less promptly and uniformly repeated and the old gentleman paused in the prayer to give us a short lecture upon the consequences of inattention both immediate and future and especially those more immediate about these he was absolutely certain for he held in his right hand the means of bringing all his predictions and warnings to pass on he proceeded with the prayer and we with our thick tongues and unskilled ears followed him to the best of our ability this however was not sufficient to please the old gentleman everybody in the south wants the privilege of whipping somebody else uncle isaac shared the common passion of his country and therefore seldom found any means of keeping his disciples in order short of flogging say everything i say and bang would come the switch on some poor boy's undevotional head what you lookin at there stop that pushing and down again would come the lash the whip is all in all it is supposed to secure obedience to the slaveholder and is held as a sovereign remedy among the slaves themselves for every form of disobedience temporal or spiritual slaves as well as slaveholders use it with an unsparing hand our devotions at uncle isaac's combine too much of the tragic and comic to make them very salutary in a spiritual point of view and it is due to truth to say i was often a truant when the time for attending the praying and flogging of dr isaac copper came on the windmill under the care of mr kinney a kind-hearted old englishman was to me a source of infinite interest and pleasure the old man always seemed pleased when he saw a troop of darky little urchins with their tow-linen shirts fluttering in the breeze approaching to view and admire the whirling wings of his wondrous machine from the mill we could see other objects of deep interest these were the vessels from st michael's on their way to baltimore it was a source of much amusement to view the flowing sails and complicated rigging as the little crafts dashed by and to speculate upon baltimore as to the kind and quality of the place with so many sources of interest around me the reader may be prepared to learn that i began to think very highly of colonel l s plantation it was just a place to my boyish taste there were fish to be caught in the creek if one only had a hook and line and crabs clams and oysters were to be caught by wading digging and raking for them here was a field for industry and enterprise strongly inviting and the reader may be assured that i entered upon it with spirit even the much dreaded old master whose merciless fiat had brought me from tuckahoe gradually to my mind parted with his terrors strange enough his reverence seemed to take no particular notice of me nor of my coming instead of leaping out and devouring me he scarcely seemed conscious of my presence the fact is he was occupied with matters more weighty and important than either looking after or vexing me he probably thought as little of my advent as he would have thought of the addition of a single pig to his stock as the chief butler on colonel lloyd's plantation his duties were numerous and perplexing in almost all important matters he answered in colonel lloyd's stead the overseers of all the farms were in some sort under him and received the law from his mouth the colonel himself seldom addressed an overseer or allowed an overseer to dress him old master carried the keys of all the storehouses measured out the allowance for each slave at the end of every month superintended the storing of all goods brought to the plantation dealt out the raw material to all the handicraftsmen shipped the grain tobacco and all saleable produce of the plantation to market and had the general oversight of the cooper's shop wheelwright's shop blacksmith's shop and shoemaker's shop besides the care of these he often had business for the plantation which required him to be absent two and three days thus largely employed he had little time and perhaps as little disposition to interfere with the children individually what he was to colonel lloyd he made aunt katy to him when he had anything to say or do about us it was said or done in a wholesale manner disposing of us in classes or sizes leaving all minor details to aunt katy a person of whom the reader has already received no very favourable impression aunt katy was a woman who never allowed herself to act greatly within the margin of power granted to her no matter how broad that authority might be ambitious ill-tempered and cruel she found in her present position an ample field for the exercise of her ill-omened qualities she had a strong hold on old master she was considered a first-rate cook and she really was very industrious she was therefore greatly favoured by old master and as one mark of his favour she was the only mother who was permitted to retain her children around her even to these children she was often fiendish in her brutality she pursued her son phil one day in my presence with a huge butcher-knife and dealt a blow with its edge which left a shocking gash on his arm near the wrist for this old master did sharply rebuke her and threatened that if she ever should do the like again he would take the skin off her back cruel however as aunt katy was to her own children at times she was not destitute of maternal feeling as i often had occasion to know in the bitter pinches of hunger i had to endure differing from the practice of colonel lloyd old master instead of allowing so much for each slave committed the allowance for all to the care of aunt katy to be divided after cooking it amongst us the allowance consisting of coarse corn-meal was not very abundant indeed it was very slender and in passing through on katy's hands it was made more slender still for some of us william phil and jerry were her children and it is not to accuse her too severely to allege that she was often guilty of starving myself and the other children while she was literally cramming her own want of food was my chief trouble the first summer at my old master's oysters and clams would do very well with an occasional supply of bread but they soon failed in the absence of bread i speak but the simple truth when i say i have often been so pinched with hunger that i have fought with the dog old nep for the smallest crumbs that fell from the kitchen table and have been glad when i won a single crumb in the combat many times have i followed with eager step the waiting girl when she went out to shake the tablecloth to get the crumbs and small bones flung out for the cats the water in which meat had been boiled was as eagerly sought for by me it was a great thing to get the privilege of dipping a piece of bread in such water and the skin taken from rusty bacon was a positive luxury nevertheless i sometimes got full meals and kind words from sympathizing old slaves who knew my sufferings and received the comforting assurance that i should be a man some day never mind honey better day comin was even then a solace a cheering consolation to me in my troubles nor were all the kind words i received from slaves i had a friend in the parlor as well and one to whom i shall be glad to do justice before i have finished this part of my story i was not long at old masters before i learned that his surname was anthony and that he was generally called captain anthony a title which he probably acquired by sailing a craft in the chesapeake bay colonel lloyd's slaves never called captain anthony old master but always captain anthony and me they called captain anthony fed there is not probably in the whole south a plantation where the english language is more imperfectly spoken than on colonel lloyd's it is a mixture of guinea and everything else you please at the time of which i am now writing there were slaves there who had been brought from the coast of africa they never used the s in indication of the possessive case captain anthony lloyd bill aunt rose harry means captain anthony's tom lloyd's bill etc oo you dem long to means whom do you belong to oo dem got any peachy means have you got any peaches i could scarcely understand them when i first went among them so broken was their speech and i am persuaded that i could not have been dropped anywhere on the globe where i could reap less in the way of knowledge from my immediate associates than on this plantation even mass daniel by his association with his father's slaves had measurably adopted their dialect and their ideas so far as they had ideas to be adopted the equality of nature is strongly asserted in childhood and childhood requires children for associates color makes no difference with a child are you a child with wants tastes and pursuits common to children not put on but natural then were you black as ebony you would be welcome to the child of alabaster whiteness the law of compensation holds here as well as elsewhere mass daniel could not associate with ignorance without sharing its shade and he could not give his black playmates his company without giving them his intelligence as well without knowing this or caring about it at the time i for some cause or other spent much of my time with mass daniel in preference to spending it with most of the other boys mass daniel was the youngest son of colonel lloyd his older brothers were edward and murray both grown-up and fine-looking men edward was especially esteemed by the children and by me among the rest not that he ever said anything to us or for us which could be called especially kind it was enough for us that he never looked nor acted scornfully toward us there were also three sisters all married one to edward winder a second to edward nicholson a third to mr the family of old master consisted of two sons andrew and richard his daughter lucretia and her newly married husband captain auld this was the house family the kitchen family consisted of aunt katy aunt esther and ten or a dozen children most of them older than myself captain anthony was not considered a rich slaveholder but was pretty well off in the world he owned about thirty head of slaves and three farms in tuckahoe the most valuable part of his property was his slaves of whom he could afford to sell one every year this crop therefore brought him seven or eight hundred dollars a year besides his yearly salary and other revenue from his farms the idea of rank and station was rigidly maintained on colonel lloyd's plantation our family never visited the great house and the lloyds never came to our home equal non-intercourse was observed between captain anthony's family and that of mr sevier the overseer such kind reader was the community and such the place in which my earliest and most lasting impressions of slavery and of slave life were received of which impressions you will learn more in the coming chapters of this book End of chapter four